Assalamu alaikum. Welcome and thank you for downloading the Ministry of Dawah podcast. Search for us on Facebook and on YouTube. This week's topic is prayer and its effect. من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادئ له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله First of all, Robert, I could ask you to maybe move a bit forward because my voice isn't going to be loud today like me anymore So my apologies for that I think my brother here gave a good and an act um, point about the prayer and I think we all know that the prayer is obligatory and we all know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us actually uh, to pray and she's from one of the obligatory acts and one of the highest obliga- obligatory acts from the obligations but there is no uh, harm in a reminder and uh, there is no harm in being these things being remembered so I think the first thing we should maybe look at is not maybe the obligatoriness of the prayer but what is the prayer for? What, what does it do? I mean, I mean, everybody knows Muslims pray five times a day. You have the Fajr, the Ruhr, the Asr, the Maghrib, you have the Isha, then you have the Taraweeh in Ramadan. You have other all sorts of prayers. But what is the prayer for? What are you doing? And I'm not talking about the actions. I'm not talking about the raising of the hands and making the takbir or the recitation of the Fatiha or the Tashahud. No, I mean, what is the point of the prayer? What are you doing? And this is a question I'll first ask you, brothers, because I saw you, you both prayed, and you know, you probably both prayed Salat al Isha. I saw some brother praying there. Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's one. Submit. Submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's another. Communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's another. Anybody else? Worshipping. Worshipping, maybe All of them are right. But that point the brother made about communication. That is what your prayer is. Your prayer is you're communicating with your Lord. Your prayer is you as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in a hadith, talking to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And if you wished for Allah to talk to you, you should recite the Quran. And you also do that within the prayer. So you are talking to Allah and you are listening to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala respond to you. This is one of the things that the prayer does. It's your communication with Allah. It is your direct, there is no, inter, no one interceding, you standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we keep that in mind, you can appreciate why that the salah is obligatory. And there are many verses that make the salah obligatory. Most of them start with, وَإِقَامُ salah, And then it says, وَإِتَالُ zakat. You pray, you establish the prayer. And notice here, it doesn't say you pray. It doesn't use يَفْعَلُ or فَعَلَ You do it. It says you establish the prayer. And you pay the zakat. To establish something is something which is permanent. It's made permanent in your life. If you've established it, it's a permanent thing you do in your life. So we pray on a, not just on Friday, Jumu'ah, or when the Taraweeh prayer time, on a daily basis, five times a day. That is what it means to you establish it. In a famous hadith, which you all know, what the Prophet wasallam said, Bunyan Islamu ala khams. Shahadati an la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadur rasulullah wa iqamis salah wa itai zakah wa hajjil bayt wa sawmi ramadah 
Islam is built upon five. First is the Shahada. We bear witness that there is no God but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and his slave. The second one is what? Is, iqam, is the establishment of the prayer. You establish the prayer. You pray. This is bunyal, bana, comes from the word bana, i.e. to build upon. So this is the foundation, your pillars. And this is what we said, isn't it? The five pillars of Islam. Now if you don't have a pillar in your house, what happens? Can you raise a structure? Can you raise the ceiling? Can you make it into another floor? And another floor? Can you raise the rooms? You have no foundation whatsoever. You've got one pillar missing. How can it be that you raise the foundation? How can it be that you raise the structure? And all of those things are true of the prayer. But the prayer has a very, very special function, which is not of a dunyawi nature. I, the ulama, they said, when they looked at the prayer, they said, look, these things, and you can find many other effects of the prayer, which inshallah we will go through. But the prayer has one, which is not for the dunya. It's actually for the akhirah. The prayer is the one, and all the other obligatory actions, is the ones that in the akhirah you would be accounted for. If you do not have salah, if you have not done the, fard, the fara'id of the salah, there is no way you are getting into Jannah. doesn't matter what else you've done. Irrelevant. You are not getting into Jannah if you do not establish the obligations. One of them being the prayer. There is no way you are getting into Jannah. You will have to first go Jahannam and then into Jannah. I.e. the fundamental point of the prayer is that it saves you from the fire of hell. Saves you from the burning fire of hell. The of hell whose fuel is what? Men and stones. Try and burn a stone, you can't. That's its fuel. That's what it saves you from. And it will be your bones that are burning. Not stone. This is, uh, this is the point of the prayer. And this is why in, when we look at the prayer, we should have in our mind that, alhamdulillah, it saves me from the fire of hell. It saves my limb from the fire of hell. In a famous hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, between the servant and kufr, is the abandonment of the prayer. Now the ulama understood this in different ways. Some of them said it doesn't mean you become kafir. Some said you become means you become kafir. So some of them said that it actually means you become kafir. Others said it doesn't mean that. But what it means by that is you're on the pit of kufr. Now, you know, it's ikhtilaf, that's fine. But the point to take is look at the way it's expressed. That the, your iman, the action that determines that is the prayer, is the salah. That's how important it is. It determines whether you're Muslim or not. It determines whether he's a mu'min, a believer or not. Because what would you find with the hypocrites? You found that they didn't pray. They prayed in congregation, but when they were alone, they didn't pray <coughs> amongst them. And the prayer is the action you can see. So uh, the, the point to understand that it is an obligation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the first point. The second point to understand from it, that it determines my iman. The third point to understand, it saves me from the fire of hell. The fourth point to understand from this is that um, it, how should I put this? It makes sure or it makes that I don't do some of the zulum from the dunya. This is something I will go into now, inshallah. There's a famous verse in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions 
بعد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الصلاة تنهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر. The translation is indeed the prayer keeps one away from indecency and evil. Munkar. If you look at how the or this is in the middle of the verse. If you look at how it starts is إن الصلاة إن is a secondary form of emphasis. There's in and there's in. It's emphasized indeed. The prayer keeps you away from fahsha wal munka, i.e., indecency, sexual indecency, and evils. This is one of the effects of the prayer. That the one who prays, according to the Sunnah of Muhammad, with the khushu, performing all the actions of the prayer, it is supposed to keep him away from these things. The ulama said it doesn't mean it keeps him away from the major sins, it keeps him away from the minor sins. It helps him to purify himself in the dunya. So it will keep him away from all the minor sins. Now, the thing to think about is, when, and everyone commits sin, is that it doesn't mean now that if I commit a minor sin, oh, subhanAllah, you know, I mean, that means my Allah, oh, I'm not staying away from the evil, there's no point praying. No, that means our concentration in the prayer, that means the way we're performing the prayer isn't the way it should be performed. We're not giving it its due attention. We're not giving it its due right it's, as they say, haq. We're not giving it its due right. And this is something that we should be thinking about. Why do I mention this point? The reason I mention this point is, one of the problems we find is that when we are praying, you find that sometimes we are very quick in the prayer. We rush through the prayer. If we don't take our time with the prayer. We rush through its recitation. And we pray and think, alhamdulillah, we've done it. Or what you will find in certain cases is we delay the prayer. So the prayer should have been prayed at its apt time. It should have been prayed, at the, for example, Maghrib at the beginning. For you find that we delay the prayer until the last moment. And what, what happens? You end up rushing the prayer. You end up going through it quickly. And the issue is that you do not then get the blessings of that prayer. Yes, you fulfill the obligations and all of those, but you do not get the blessings of that prayer. You do not get the fruits that you are supposed to get of the prayer. You do not get the extra ni'mah that you are supposed to get from the prayer. And this happens when we're in that mindset. This happens when we delay the prayer in that way. And this is why when we looked at, when you look at this verse, it's not it's just saying that we should pray. Should I look, if you look at the one who prays properly, you will find that when he prays properly, these are the effects it has on him. One of them being staying away from the evils and staying away from the bad desires. Staying away from the fahsha. But we find that you find contradictory people. People who pray, but they've got a girlfriend. People who pray, but they do riba. And it should make you question, hold on, when he's praying, what's he doing? Are we doing in the ground? This is for ourselves, myself included. I'm guilty of some of these things. What are we doing? Why isn't that our prayer isn't guarding us? Isn't stopping us from these things? And we need to re-evaluate the way we pray or when we're praying, inshallah. See, the other thing is, is when you are raised on Yawmul Qiyamah, and so again a question I'll ask you is, what is the first question, what is the first thing you're questioned about? Salah. The Salah. <clears throat> the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala questions you about is your prayers. Did he pray? And then the questions revolve around the prayer. Okay, when he prayed, how many of the fault prayers did he do? And etc. and etc. 
you find now think of an you know if you're standing in front of Allah you're having to give your reasons for the prayer if you prayed or not and you can't even get past the first question you have no hope you have no chance the rest of the questioning doesn't come Allah does not then ask you about other deeds you haven't even been able to get past the first hurdle you haven't been able to get past the first questioning you're already is guilty and you're not questioning your deeds are not looked at beyond that take it and the another point I'll make in that is you find the questioning the style of questioning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does did he pray? okay he prayed how were his first prayers? were they accepted? yes they were some of them were accepted some of them were not then Allah asks okay did he pray any nafla prayers? sunnah prayers if he did bring those to fill the gaps bring the sunnah prayers to fill those gaps bring the nafla prayers to fill that gap that he, he failed in his fard prayers. Now, again, there's a point I want to reiterate here, which is that, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us about the prayer first, but that doesn't mean we should also become neglectful of all of our other obligations. Because this is the mindset we can fall into. Either it's just the prayer, and that's it, and doing the prayers. No, yes, we should do that, alhamdulillah, but we should become neglectful of all of other our all of the other obligations that Allah has set on us. The hajj, the fasting, the enjoying the good, the forbidding the evil, the looking after the parents, the, the gaining the knowledge and gaining the ilm. We shouldn't be neglectful of that. We know should we think to ourselves, well if Allah asks us first to do the prayer, that means that's all I'll do. That's what I'm going to concentrate on. That is not also the mindset that we should have. The mindset should be that the prayer should be at the forefront of our mind, but we need to be fulfilling all of our other obligations. Otherwise, what will happen? You will answer the first question spectacularly and then you will flop in the rest of the other answers. When you're asked about the rest of them, you'll say, didn't give much attention to that one. I didn't pay much attention to enjoying the good for me. really didn't look after my parents. And the end result of the examination, you still felt. You still didn't make it to Jannah. Even though that you might have done one aspect of it brilliantly, you still did not make it into Jannah. Because of your neglect of other areas. Now, coming to the prayer, we know the actions, isn't it? Like I said, we raise our hands, we make the takbir, we recite the fatiha, we go down to the wuku, we go down to the sajda. What you find within the prayer is every act of the prayer is a sign of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at the way you first do the prayer. You don't, for a second, forget the prayer. Before the prayer, you need to do something. The wudu. You need to first make the wudu in order to pray. If there's no water, fine, you can make time. But generally, make the wudu. You cleanse yourself before standing in front of Allah. You clean yourself before standing in front of Allah. And you, know, you can have a whole talk on the effects of wudu and all of its benefits. But that's the first thing you do. You cleanse yourself. Then you stand in front of Allah. You are standing in front of your Lord. Having a conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being, and this is, you have to be conscious that I am with Allah. It's very easy for the mind to drift. Very easy for the concentration to slip. Very easy to lose the khushu in the prayer. You recite the fatiha and look at the opening that you recite. Start off in the name of Allah. Then you glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
you say that how merciful he is, you ask for him to guide you, you ask for him to that he doesn't misguide you like he did with others. This is a, and this the fatah is obligatory. In the salah it is obligatory. You have to recite that. And then you recite as much of the Quran as you can. You go into the ruku, you go into the sujood. In the sujood, this is what the Prophet ﷺ told us, that this is when you are the most closest in the prayer, within the sujood, you are the most closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're at the pinnacle with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why we were encouraged that in the sujood we should make lots and lots of dua. And this is, that's the other thing. The word salah, the sharia meaning is to pray, what we know today, the actions. Historically, linguistically, it meant dua. There was no difference between dua and salah. Then the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the meaning. So one of the things you should, you should make dua in the sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever our issues are. From whatever, whatever maybe we want, from whatever maybe we suffer from alleviation. We should do that. And we go through that motion on a daily basis. That whatever we are doing at any time of the day, at some point we stop and we say we are going to make the salah. And we are going to speak to our Lord. Then there is the issue of rule of the obligatory place. We all know the Fajr, the Asr, the Lord, we know the obligatory place. And alhamdulillah, those who are praying, those who pray, we concentrate on those things to make sure we are praying them well. And then we pray the voluntary prayers after them. But the other thing we should keep in mind is Salah is not a five times a day act. The actual action, even though we do it five times, there are so many situations that you can pray and that we should pray, which are sunnah to do. So let me ask you again, do you know these situations? Has anybody got any suggestions of which they are? Any of the prayers? Tahajjud is one. And just before I continue, Tahajjud is the one we should do most after the five daily prayers. SubhanAllah, the, the best time to speak to your Lord is when He's at the lowest heaven and you are praying. Tahajjud. Alone. In the dark. On your own. This is the best time. And the Tahajjud has, in itself, as a sunnah, it has so many benefits. That Allah subhanahu wa doesn't, doesn't turn away your dua. <coughs> he answers your dua. He immediately accepts it. Whatever dua you make, he immediately accepts it. The tahajjud is the one, when it's done in secret, it kills the sins. It burns. In Yamul Qiyamah, when you stand, stand, there is one way Allah accounts you, where He says, do you remember that you did so and so? And Allah says, I, forget, I forgave you for that. That's one. The other way that Allah forgives you, He completely erases it. He doesn't even mention it to you. That's what the tahajjud is. He erases it off. He doesn't even tell you, you did that, but I forgave you. It's completely wiped off. That's how amazing the tahajjud prayer is. They completely erase it as if you're a newborn baby. Now imagine the one who gets up in the middle of the night and he prays tahajjud, let's say even once a week or twice a week. And the tahajjud prayer, the nature of it is that you should, be, you should be crying. And if you can't cry, you should pretend that you are crying. You should pretend that you are crying. There is a benefit in that. I know we see our uncles do that and maybe as youngsters we laugh thinking, old man's faking it. There is a benefit in that. So you should pretend that you are crying. Any other prayers? Salatul Istiqra. Salatul Istiqra is very disputed in the sense of how you understand the signs and what have you not. But there is Salatul Istiqra if you need to. 
means Salatul Istiqhar. Any other prayers? Salatul Tasbih is another one. Any others? Salatul Duha. Salatul Duha is a very good one. Salatul Duha is prayed, uh, they say normally about an hour or two hours before Salatul Zuhr is prayed. And there's a famous hadith where the Prophet narrates that charity is required from every part of your body. And praying two rakats of Salatul Duha suffices that. So it is as if the one who prays two rakats of Salatul Duha, his, every part of his body gave sadaqah. Every part of his body gave sadaqah. That's what that means. In another hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha narrates that the one who prays two rakats of Salatul Duha <coughs> is as if he gave charity. The one who uh, prays a four rakat of Salatul Duha, Allah will build for him a palace in Jannah. The one who does uh, eight rakat of Salatul Duha, he is as if he is the awli of Allah. He is like the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she continues until she gets to twelve. The one who plays ten, the one who plays twelve, he's, he, him and Allah are like close friends and all of these things. There is an amazing benefit in that. Is there anyone, any more else? Salatul Ishraq is, is done after Salatul Fajr. You should pray Salatul Fajr for sit in its place and until um, the sun rises, after that you should pray Salatul Ishraq of Tulaka. Now, the reward of Salatul Ishraq is as if you pr- uh, performed Hajj. It is as if you performed Hajj. Now imagine performing Hajj once a week, twice a week. The reward you are getting every week for performing Hajj. Is there any more us? Entering the mosque. I don't know the name. I don't know yes. Yes. Salat. When you enter the masjid, there's two. When you enter the masjid, if you make wudu, you can pray the salah for wudu. And it was narrated that when the Prophet was in Al Isra wal Mihraj. And he heard the footsteps of Bilal in Jannah. And so when he came to Bilal radiallahu anhu, he asked him, look, when I was in Jannah, I heard your footsteps. What were you doing? And he said, Ya Rasulullah, you know, I don't do much, but I went, I made wudu, and I prayed two raqa of sunnah. The other one is when you enter the masjid, I, I salam to the mosque. To give salam to the mosques. So when you go in, you pray two raqa'a to the masjid, for the masjid. Any, any more else? Salatul Tawbah. Salatul Tawbah is done when the Prophet says, if you do an evil deed or the wrong deed, you should then follow it up with two rakah of nafla or sunnah prayers, which is referred to as Salatul Tawbah. So, maybe you do a sin. Knowingly, you do a sin and you want to make, then you make Salatul Tawbah, and that sin covers that. Now, there's more. There's Salatul Awabi which is done after Salatul Maghrib, which can be performed until 20 raka'ah. So you can put Salatul Khawf, when you're in fear, Salatul Shukur, and this is the one that in what I want to concentrate on. We, especially here, we have so many things to be pleased about, and so many things to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the man who's, or the woman who's doing her exams, she passes her exams. Before the exam, she or he prays like mad. He makes du'a like mad. Ya Allah, help me pass my exam. Help me 
you know, get the good grades, then get the A and the B, and after that, forget. Because what we should do is praise Allah to shukr. That I am grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He got this, uh, gave me the A grade. Or for example, He did well for my business, or whatever it is. That we should show gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, what is my point here? My point is we should not think of the salah as a five daily act that we do just of those five daily times and we don't do anything else. The salah should be an integral part of our life. But where we should start from is the obligatory press. Where we should start from is, there is, quite frankly brothers, sisters, there is no point praying the sunnah prayer if you do not do the fart. If you abandon your fart and you, you pray salatul, you know, taraweeh or whatever you know, and the sunnah is pointless. Because Ali radiallahu anh tells us the one who does, doesn't even do the fart, his sunnah isn't even accepted. The sunnah isn't even accepted if you do not do your fart prayers. But on top of that, we want to build. We want to build our worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you see that each one of them has their own rewards. Each one of them has their own functions. Now, you know, it sounds like that if we, if we do all of these prayers, then we ain't going to have time to do anything else. You pray Fajr, then you pray Salatul Duha, then you pray Salatul Duhar, then you pray Salatul Asr, then you pray Maghrib, then you pray 20 Rakhats or Salatul Awwabin, then you pray Salatul Isha, then you go back to Salatul Hajjud. On top of that, you're praying two Rakhats Salah when you're going to the mosque, on top of that, two Rakhats Salah when you're making Wudu. Subhanallah. You see, we're praying, so we're not going to have time to do anything else. That's how it looks like to us. But keep in mind that the Prophet ﷺ and the companions used to do this on a regular basis. Why? Why do I make that point? It's because the Salah was such an integral part of their life that you found when the questioning started, I, when the Prophet gave, said things about Yawmul Qiyamah, the first thing they would ask about is the Salah. And I'll give you an example. There's one long hadith where the Prophet ﷺ talks about the signs of Qiyamah. And right at the end of it, he talks about the, the hour. And the Prophet says, the hour will not come, and we know this hadith, the hour will not come until the year is like a month. And the month is like a day. And the day is like an hour. And then the Sahaba stopped and he said, you know, what about the Salah? I, he asked Muslim, if the day is like an hour, how do you pray the five raka'ah in an hour? What do you do with the Salah? And then the Prophet said, estimate. And this is where you get all of this calendar stuff from. Estimate it. Now, my, what is my point? If we were looking at that hadith, we'd be asking ourselves, man, I wonder how a day would be like in a year, and what it would be like, and the scientific effects of all of those sorts of things, and the science behind it. And, you know, the day is like in a year, I have to understand that. But look at the Sahaba's questioning. The first thing he asked is, what happens to the Salah then? Look where it is on, the, on his mind. He's not interested in the science and the, he's asking I want to know what I do with the Salat and in this particular situation look at that this is the point it was at the forefront of his mind and that is the mindset we want to create in ourselves that the Salah is at the forefront of our minds that I don't care where I am I'm going to pray when the time for prayer comes I'm going to pray when the time for prayer comes I'm going to try to go to the masjid to pray in the mosque with the congregation because that in itself has certain effects of community, of ummah, and all those sorts of things. Not to mention the reward of the salah in the mosque. But to us, the last point I want to end on is the point I've started off with, which was, we cannot get into Jannah without the salah.
it is one of the keys. If there was doors and there were locks on that door, it's one of the keys that you need to enter into Jannah. One of the keys. There are other faraids that you need to do as well. But it's one of the keys that you need. And because it is an obligation and it keeps us away from the fire, we should be thinking to ourselves that, look, if I am not praying, I need to start incorporating the prayer in my life. I need to make sure that I put everything, literally put everything else aside, and the salah becomes the main focus of my life, and then put the rest of my life, daily life, around the prayer, where I can make sure I perform it. We need to be strong about this issue as well, because the reality is we live in a non-Muslim society that do not hold these things to value. You, they don't hold the prayer and the salah to value. So in schools, when we're at work, you might think, do I want to really tell my boss that I need 20 minutes to go and pray, or 5 or 10 minutes to go and pray? How do I tell? Especially when the days are short. I'm going to have to ask 10 minutes for Zuhur, and 10 minutes for Asr, and 10 minutes for Maghrib. No, I'm not going to get that promotion. Or in school, and I don't want to miss my lessons. I don't want my teachers to think I'm bad in colleges. So I do not. But even exam periods, the salah, for the exam for during my salah time, I can't pray, I'll make it up later. We don't have this mindset. We say, no, we're going to pray and I need to find a way to pray. Even if that means that I'm 10 minutes late. Even if that means I have to tell my boss, I need to pray. You need to give me 10 minutes. And that is an active part in our mind. Without the prayer, without the salah, there, there for us there is no jannah. There is no getting into jannah. We are making life miserable for us in the dunya and in the akhirah. It will be azabul alim. It will be a terrible torment. You will find a terrible. Your limbs will get a terrible torment. I will end there, inshallah. If there's anything that I've said wrong, which is incorrect, it's from me, it's from the whispers of shaitan. Anything which I've said which is good, which is correct, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Thanks for downloading this podcast. You can subscribe to it from our blogspot at centralmod.blogspot.com to receive our weekly podcast. Assalamu alaikum.